your sovereignty in some ways to God. And so that was definitely a process, and that's still a process that I'm walking through, I think, in many ways. And tell me about your view on marriage. Uh, At the time when you first uh, came to Christ, what did you think about gay marriage at that time? Well, you know, back then it wasn't too much of a a political topic, but um, I definitely felt very defensive and protective of my mom and her partner. I certainly, um, you know, felt like I wanted to protect them from the world, not that they ever put any kind of expectation on me to be, you know, the flag bearer of their relationship or anything of that nature. But, you know, you just, you know, there's a real defensiveness um, on the part of kids for their parents, and that was at work in me. But slowly, um, as I began to learn more about Scripture and certainly just look around the world, I began to understand and see the goodness behind the design of a man and woman committing to one another for life. (laughs) You know, that's one aspect of the marriage debate that um, Christians definitely need to remember, that this is a lifelong commitment. And the benefits that come to children, individuals, and society when we follow that, you know, God's design for marriage. And I've been so impressed to see you on uh, TV shows like Q&A, and uh, I saw you on Late Line the other, uh, a while back. Uh, you've, you've met with some politicians in Australia as well. Tell me, what's the message that you're bringing to Australia while you're out here? And I understand that you've got a message that you like to share for Christians, but you've also got a, a, a strong secular argument as well. Uh, do you want to yeah. talk through those for us? Absolutely. So, you know, let's talk about the Christians, um, because... I started blogging um, out of frustration, as you can see, the name of my blog sort of bears witness to that, that I was so frustrated at first that Christians, I felt, were not dealing with this subject well. But if they did have a microphone put in their face, or if they did um, have a discussion with a friend, that their reasons for supporting traditional marriage as public policy tended to be reasons based on their faith. And I don't think that those are compelling reasons. I actually don't even think it's appropriate for us to use our biblical principles um, and say that you should abide by these, because it's only the Spirit of God that allows me to abide by His principles. And so I felt like the Church needs to do a better job of speaking the world's language, in essence, when we're talking about this subject, because they don't care what Scripture says. You know, all of us should respond to arguments and have arguments that are based on natural law, because that is, you know, the umbrella that we're all under. But on the other hand, the Church, while they need to stand firm on this issue, the other thing they have to do, they have to do, is they have to reach out, sacrifice for, and love their gay family and friends. And in America, churches tend to do one or the other. They tend to either stand for the truth of marriage or they, they love gay people. And to be biblical, you have to do both. You don't get to choose. If you're going to follow the gospel way, you're going to stand for truth, and you're going to be filled with grace. And most of us just want to do one or the other, because one of those comes more naturally to us. You know, we're either grace givers or we're truth tellers, but to be biblical, you have to do both. So I, I think that's a challenge for churches. In terms of, you know, what I wanted to say to my fellow citizens, you know, citizens, this is an issue that everybody needs to be concerned about, that marriage historically has been the most child-friendly institution that we have. 
that it naturally protects the rights and well-beings of kids when mothers and fathers are loving their children and loving each other. It's one of the greatest ways to take a bite out of almost every social ill that we're facing as a nation. And so this is everyone's concern. And if you don't have marriage reinforcing those rights for children, what do you have? The truth is you don't really have anything. Right now in America, now that the Supreme Court has ruled, there's no institution political or legal, that reinforces a child's right to be in relationship with both their parents. And tell me a little bit about the, uh, the social research you've done uh, with, with regards to changing the definition of marriage. You know, I've focused mainly just on the, the children's rights angle, um, and there is mountains of research uh, on the well-being of children when it relates to family structure, Family structure matters to children. And while, you know, we saw on um, Q&A that, you know, there are some exceptions to the rule, you know, where the structure between biological parents and their natural children break down, the truth is that biological parents tend to be the safest place for kids, the most permanent relationship, and the adults that are going to invest the most in those children over the long term when it comes to time and energy and money and resources. And, um, of course, it's awful when that breaks down, but it's awful. And we all recognize it's awful. I think that most of us can look back and say if we lost a relationship with our mother and father, that at minimum it's something that we kind of question, longed over, wondered, over, you know, wondered about. Uh, at worst, you start to internalize it and say, Am I the reason they left? Is there something wrong with me? It's because we're made for it. We're made for a relationship with both of our parents. And so a lot of my objection to redefining marriage is that it redefines parenthood, that government's interest in marriage is children. And if you don't have marriage reinforcing those rights, there really is no place where those rights are going to have um, a voice, you know, in our public landscape. And Katie, there's some Christians that say, oh, it's a lost battle. There's no point speaking up about it. We should just get on with, you know, winning souls and building our churches. Or, you know, there's no point arguing because we'll just get called homophobes and bigots. And, you know, we, we might as well just, you know, let them have it. Why, yeah. why should we be fighting for this, do you think? What's, what's, what's at stake you are going to be called names and it is going to be awful and it's going to hurt your feelings every single time and it's going to make you sick when it happens. And you know what? It's okay because Christianity is about doing hard things. I mean, really, if you are a Christian and you are trying to take the easy way out, you probably are believing the wrong gospel. This gospel is not about making life better for you. It's about doing the right thing, even when it's unpopular, even when you're standing alone. But hopefully... Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to start to stand together and you're going to start to speak up. I mean, that's what all of us need to do. I didn't do it for a long time. It took me way too long to want to speak up about this because I just didn't want to deal with being hated. Unfortunately, the other side's been very successful with their tactics of demonizing and putting down, and it has truly silenced so many. Right. I mean, nobody nobody can stand in the face of, of a guy sitting right next to you saying that you're motivated by hate, even though the people you love the most in your life are gay. It's just, you know, it's very, very effective. So I would say that if you're not willing to speak up about this, this is not the end of the line. Are you going to speak up when, you know, we're talking about removing mother and father from birth certificates? Are you going to speak up when you're, you know, teaching inappropriate sex ed materials to kids who are in elementary school. 
you know, this, are you going to speak up when they're they're talking about reproductive justice, where people have a right to children, and you're subsidizing um, people to get fertility treatments, even though that child is is going to be creative with the intention to separate them from one of their parents? I mean, like, when are you going to speak up? If you're not going to speak up now, when will you? Because it's not going away. I think you're a courageous woman of God, and uh, I just love the fact that uh, you're not only online. You know, you're, you're blogging, you're you're uh, you're getting out there on Twitter. You know, I've started following you on Twitter too. You're doing a great job there. Uh, you've been in the in the media. You're, you're getting the word out there. Uh, but one of the most important places you've been is you've caught up with some politicians in Australia uh, to speak to them about it. How how did that go? Did you find you got a positive response? Did you did did they listen to what you had to say? Well, I want to say that um, I kind of came as support staff in some ways to uh, a woman from Melbourne who is donor-conceived atheist and daughter of two moms. And she came out with a YouTube video earlier this year. Her name is Millie Fontana. And she has um, she's, she was very, very determined to speak with her members of parliament. And so mainly I accompanied her when she told her story to members of parliament about how being intentionally deprived of relationship with her father had an incredible, um, it was very detrimental to her physical and emotional well-being to the point where they took her to psychiatrists because she was tearing their house apart, demanding to know the other half of her, of her biology and the other half of her heritage. Um, and finally, the psychologist told them, her mother's, that you need to let her meet her father who was um, had been a family friend. And so she did. And she said, it was the first time in my life that I felt complete. And she, um, she says, you know, if I, if gay marriage was legal, cause everyone talks about how, um, well, you need to, you know, allow two women to get married um, for the sake of the kids. And Millie said to the members of parliament, the problem with that is then when I went to the psychologist to say, I want to meet my dad and I'm in such distress because I have this incredible father hunger and I'm hanging out at my friends' houses just pining for their father's attention over there. What would the psychologist say to me? Would she say, well, it's discriminatory for you to want your father? Mm. You know, now everything in law says that her parents' relationship and her parents' decisions are right and her natural longings are wrong. So she's... um She's got quite a story, and she's got an awful lot of motivation to get her story out there. So I know you're going to be hearing more from her. Uh, but, yeah, her story was well-received by um, members of Parliament who already, you know, understand that this is a big issue. And she simply gave them a face um, to put on that issue. Well, Katie, you're so well-spoken, you're so clear, and you, you are full of love, even though some people have called you a hater and said that you're coming from a place of hate. Uh, I, you know, I know that uh, you've got a heart of gold in, uh, in sharing all this, and you've got a heart for children, which is really God's heart. Uh, one last question, and you don't have to answer this if you don't like. I, you've probably been asked it before, but how is your relationship with mum now that you've been so outspoken about all this, and, and she's obviously a lesbian and uh, you're, you're, you're uh, her partner? Uh, how is your relationship with mum? Is she are you okay? Well, my mom is incredible. You know, one of the greatest things that she taught me was empathy. <laughs> so that's why this is a really hard um, place for me to be because she is so empathetic and genuinely understands, you know, uh, where everyone's coming from. And um, I don't have any secrets. You know, we I share with her where I'm coming from. She's very, very gracious and understanding. Um, I will say that 
she and my dad worked very hard after I got divorced to make sure that I had access to the other parent. And it's absolutely a tribute to both of them being um, adults and putting my needs first so that I still could, um, so I didn't have to lose a full relationship with either of them. Um, and so, I, you know, my standard answer to your question is my mom and I are good because she knows that two men can't replace her. Mm. You know, she's irreplaceable in my life. And, um, and she knows that. And my father knows that too. He knows that just, I love my mom and I love her partner, but he played a critical role in my development. Um, and I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for both of my parents being able to put aside maybe some of what they would like and make sure that I had everything that I could have, even though they weren't living in the same home anymore. Mm. Well, thank you for coming to Australia. Thank you for being so courageous and for speaking up for truth. Uh, we really want to honour you. And uh, I want to encourage people to go and check out the website. It's askthebigot.com, which is quite a clever name uh, in today's politically correct environment. It's a great website. Uh, interact with Katie Faust there and uh, check out her great uh, blogs. Lots of great topics are covered there. Uh, Katie, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me and thanks to your audience too. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.